highest of heights to the depths of the sea. So they said, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said, You know the man and his babble. And they said, You're, you're, not, you're not telling us the truth. Tell us now. Because they, they knew something was up. Because of the way he came in and then he ran out of there, they're like, This prophet told you something. And what was it? Oh, nothing. We're just not that, we're not that dumb, Yehu. Tell us the truth. All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable. You place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. You are amazing, God. All powerful, untamable, all struck with fall to our knees as we humbly proclaim. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher, Rob Kellogg. It was easy to dismiss this prophet as a crazed, babbling madman. It was easy for both Yehu and his associates to think of any God-honoring man as demented. Yet Yehu knew, and the others soon did also that the man was a true prophet of God. A moment before, these men regarded the prophet as a madman. Now they took his word seriously and proclaimed the reluctant Yehu as the king of Israel. This shows the sense of dissatisfaction they had with Joram. Now let's join Pastor Rob starting in verse 10 in chapter 9 in the book of Second Kings. He says, Arise, and go down to meet Ahab. There he is in the field. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also taken possession? So Ahab, verse 20, said to Elijah, have you, you have found me, O my enemy. And Elijah answered Ahab, I have found you because you have sold yourself to do evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring calamity on you, and I will take... And here God is speaking through the prophet. And so... I will take away your posterity, notice, and I will cut off from Ahab every male in Israel, both bond and free. And notice in verse 22, it's very similar to the verse we were just looking at. I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebad, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, because of the provocation with which you have provoked me to anger and made Israel to sin. See, God cares about his people, and this king was given over to idolatry, and that hurts other people, doesn't it? So does God go after the people and blame them? No, he goes to the head first. And he says, what are you doing? I've, allowed, I've anointed you. You're in this place because I put you there. And there's a responsibility with that kingdom, Ahab. So let me ask you again, what are you doing? Why are you worshiping these gods that don't have ears or eyes and they can't speak, they can't hear, they're dumb idols? Why are you worshiping these things when you can come to the true and living God and have newness of life and have a relationship with me and have your sins forgiven? And concerning, verse 23, notice, And concerning Jezebel, the Lord also spoke, saying, The dog shall eat Jezebel by the wall of Jezreel. The dog shall eat whoever belongs to Ahab and dies in the city, and the birds of the air shall eat whoever dies in the field. But there was none, verse 25, notice this, like Ahab, who sold himself to do wickedness in the sight of the Lord, because 
Jezebel, his wife, stirred him up. Okay, so now we see this prophecy, very similar to the one that the, this man, uh, this uh, son of the prophet is speaking um, uh, to, uh, to the man of God. So notice, and turn, uh, go to 1 Kings uh, chapter 22, just uh, one chapter to your uh, right there. And then now we find out, we see actually this prophecy partially fulfilled upon Ahab. And I say partially because we're going to see the end of this prophecy taking place in the scriptures that we're looking at tonight. So it's partially fulfilled. Notice what it says in 1 Kings 22, beginning in verse 19. Then Micaiah said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing by on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, Who will persuade Ahab to go up that he may fall at Ramoth Gilead? So one spoke in this manner, another spoke in that manner. And then his spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will persuade him. And isn't this interesting? This evil spirit is able to approach uh, God. We see that in Job, don't we? Do you think evil spirits are approaching God right now on, to say uh, to mess with you and ask for permission? Yep. The Lord said to him, in that way. Or, I'm sorry, the Lord said to him, in what way? And so he said, I will go and I'll be a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets. And the Lord said, you shall persuade him and you also shall prevail. Go out and do so. Therefore, look, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all his prophets of yours. And the Lord has declared disaster against you. And um, let me see. Let's, let's go down to... Um, you can read the rest of that, but I'm just going to skip on to verse 29 for the sake of time. And so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, they went up to Ramoth Gilead, and the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle, but you put on your robes. And so the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. And uh, now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariot, saying, Fight with no man, small or great, but only with the king of Israel. And so it was when the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat that they said, Surely it is the king of Israel. And therefore they turned aside to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah at the time, he cried out. And it happened that when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of Israel, it wasn't Ahab, that they turned back from pursuing him. And now a certain man drew a bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. And so he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and take me out of the battle for I am wounded. And so this man pulls back a bow. He wasn't even looking. He's just, you know, one of those fits of rage where you're just like, and you just let it fly. And it just happens to land in between the joints of the armor and strikes Ahab, wounds him mortally. So the battle increased that day, verse 35, and the king was propped up in his chariot facing the Syrians and died at evening. And the blood ran out onto the floor of the chariot. And as the sun was going down, a shout went out through the army, saying, Every man to his city, and every man to his country. And so the king died, was brought to Samaria, and they buried the king in Samaria. And then someone washed the chariot at a pool in Samaria, and the dogs licked up the blood while the harlots bathed, according to the word of the Lord which had been spoken. So this prophecy concerning Ahab himself had come to fruition, but there was still... Ahab's house, his sons, and there was also some unfinished business with his evil wife, Jezebel. 
Now, God would have much rather have had these people repent and turn from their sin because is God the, uh, the, the God of the living or of the dead? He's the God of the living. It, is it his will that none should perish? Yes, it is. He doesn't want people to perish. God has no delight in, in striking the, the wicked. He has no delight in it in all. He would much rather that we repent and live. Such a simple thing, isn't it? But verse 10 now, back in our text this evening, speaks of God's unfinished business with Jezebel. And so the son of one of the prophets, he continues now to speak to Yehu and continues with this commission of things that God wants him to do. So notice verse 10, the, the, the young man tells Yehu, the dog shall eat Jezebel on the plot of ground at Jezreel, and there shall be none to bury her. And he opened the door and he fled. And again, this is interesting because God would use a man like Yehu to be his hammer of judgment. We spoke about that earlier. And God has used individuals, and he's also used nations to be his hammer of judgment. God used Assyria and Babylon in his judgment against Israel and Judah, respectively. He used an ungodly nation to punish his own people. And then God will turn around and bring punishment or vengeance upon that nation for doing so. So it almost seems unfair, doesn't it? (laughs) But the thing is, is these kings, especially the kings of Assyria and Babylon, in the case that I just shared with you, they did it of their own evil hearts. God just had the advantage of knowing what they were going to do and the intent of their heart. And he just allowed them to do what they were doing what they had intended already to do. And when we act on our own volition, God has a right to either chasten us or, in in really dire circumstances for the unbeliever, to actually bring judgment and swift judgment. He has the right to do that. So verse 11, So Yehu came out to the servants of his master, and one said to him, Is all well? Why did this madman come to you? So this prophet was probably clothed in sackcloth, and he probably, maybe he walked with a limp, maybe he looked like Quasimodo, we really don't know, but there was something about the young man, perhaps the way he walked or ran or his speech or his clothing or maybe his uh, nonverbal communication led the others to believe, This guy is insane. What is he doing? must be a man of God. I like that because most people think that we're crazy. You're crazy. I love that. You can call me crazy. I believe in Jesus. I love his word. I'm, I'm okay to be called a crazy. You can call me a Jesus freak. You can call me a Bible thumper. You can call me whatever you want. I really don't care. I know where I'm going. I know who loves me and I know where I'm going. So they said, is all well? Why did this madman come to you? And he said, you know the man and his babble. And they said, you're not not telling us the truth. Tell us now. Because they they knew something was up. Because of the way he came in and then he ran out of there, they're like, this prophet told you something. And what was it? Oh, nothing. We're just not that, we're not that dumb, Yehu. Tell us the truth. And so he spoke to them, and he said, Thus says the Lord, I have anointed you king over Israel. And so then each man hastened to put his garment and put on, on the top of the steps, and they blew trumpets, saying, Yea, who is king? And this blowing of trumpets and laying the clothing uh, underneath their feet, this is all very common practice for somebody who is anointed king. Remember when Jesus rode into Jerusalem 
on Palm Sunday, what did they do? They laid their clothes on the ground as he made that, that ascent from, or the descent from the Mount of Olives, and then finally the ascent going into Jerusalem. They laid palm fronds and, and branches and, and clothing before him, and it was just a way of heralding a king. That's a very common thing that they did. And so verse 14, so Yehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, the son of Nimshai, uh, this guy Nimshai, his name, I, this is kind of fun, his name means weasel which I, th- I thought was kind of fun. I, I just, I, I giggled. Uh, it means weasel or drawn out, but I personally like the term weasel. You can actually look it up. I, I'll show it to you. It's in, the, it's in the dictionaries. It's weasel. I like that. What's your name? Weasel. So he conspired against Joram. Now Joram had been defending Ramoth Gilead, he and all Israel, against Hazael, king of Syria. But remember, King Joram had returned to Jezreel. Jezreel is a city just west now of the Jordan River, um, just southwest of the Sea of Galilee in what you and I would call the uh, Valley of Esdralon or the Jezreel Valley. Uh, That's where this uh, Jezreel town was and so uh, Joram is wounded. He goes back to this place to mend his wounds. And so Yehu said, If you are so minded, let no one leave or escape from the city to go and tell it in Jezreel. And so Yehu may have wanted to surprise Joram because Joram is ill, he's wounded pretty badly. He's going to Jezreel, and now the captain of his guard is telling everybody. Don't tell anybody what just happened here. So he's putting everybody on some kind of non-disclosure agreement, saying, don't tell anybody what has just happened here, that I was anointed king over Israel. Keep it under wraps. And so everybody did. And why did he do that? Because Joram wasn't suspecting at all that his captain of his army would be coming after him. He thought, and as we will see, that he was just marching back to tell him perhaps some good news, that maybe there was some good news on the, on the war front, that maybe they had conquered Ramoth-Gilead. So Yehu, verse 16, rode in a chariot, went to Jezreel, for Joram was laid up there, and Ahaziah, the king of Judah, had come down to see Joram. Now a watchman stood on the tower in Jezreel, and he saw the company of Yehu as he came, and he said, I see a company of men. And Joram said, get a horseman and send him to meet him, and let him say, is it peace? And so what he's doing is, he, they, you know, the guy's up on the tower, and he's looking across the valley, and he sees some smoke, and he sees some dust on the horizon, and he's thinking, you know what, there's some people coming. And so the king's like, go send out a horse, send out an ambassador, find out, are you here for peace? What, what's going on? And so the horsemen went to meet him and said, Thus says the king, is it peace? And Yehu said, What have you to do with peace? Turn around and follow me. In other words, don't worry about the situation. Just get behind us. And whoever that ambassador was, was going to be very comfortable obeying the commander of the king's guard. Because the king's guard is coming back home. Follow me? So he says, Get back and follow us in. And so... The watchman reported, the messenger went to them, but is not coming back. And then he said, send out a second horseman who came to them and and say the same thing. Is it peace? And Yehu answered, what have you to do do with peace? Turn around and follow me. So the watchman, verse 20, reported, saying, he went up to them and is not coming back. And the driving is like the driving of of Yehu, the son of Nimshai, for he drives furiously. So this guy must have had a trademark, the way he rode a horse and rode a cavalry, 
he had a, a certain way of doing things, and they recognized his pattern of doing things. You know, I'm kind of thinking maybe he looked like Clint Eastwood. You know, had the hat on. You know, and the leathery looking face. So what's up? What are you doing? Right. So Joram, what does he say? Make ready. And make my chariot ready. And so the king, again, remember this, he didn't suspect Joram, or he didn't suspect that Yehu was number one anointed king. He, he, he wasn't aware of that. He sees him coming. He thinks he's coming back to give some good news. So the king is totally um, not thinking about anything. He's thinking, well, here's my guy coming back. I'm going to go out and meet him. Hey, Ahaziah, come with me, and we'll go out in chariots, and we'll meet him and find out, you know, there's something going on. I want to hear that news as quickly as possible. So they, they, they go out there. Um, so then Joram, king of Israel, and Ahaziah, the king of Judah, went out, each in his chariot, and they went out to meet Yehu, and they met him on the property of Naboth the Jezreelite. Does that ring a bell? Remember in 1 Kings chapter 21, who was it? Whose plot of land was Ahab so excited about and wouldn't sell the land to him? It was Naboth, the Jezreelite. And he's the guy who got killed, and Jezebel had him killed. And so now, Yehu is coming back and meeting him at that same plot of land. Something is happening. Something God is orchestrating and working things. Pretty interesting. And they went out to meet Yehu and met him on the property of Naboth, a Jezreelite. Now it happened when Joram saw Yehu that he said to him, Is it peace, Yehu? In other words, is there peace at Ramoth Gilead? Have you guys been successful at Ramoth? Did you get it back from you know, the king of Syria? Did you win the battle? What happened? And so he answered, What peace? As long as the harlotries of your mother Jezebel and her witchcraft are so many. <gasps> Uh-oh. You can see Joram, just the shade, the pink in his face just went all to his feet. And now he's thinking to himself, now I know why he was in such a furious rush to get here. Because I'm his target. And so what does he do? Then Jehoram turned around and he fled. And, and remember, this king who was already wounded, he has enough energy to get in the chariot to go out in the field and meet him at this plot of land. He, he doesn't even have his armor on. Right, Because he's not going out to battle. He's meeting his own guys coming in. So he, has, he doesn't even have his breastplate on, nothing. He's going out there with just his you know, you know, House of Guitars t-shirt. And he goes out there. <laughs> I have to do that because I want to make sure you guys are paying attention. So Joram turned and fled, and he said to Ahaziah, Treachery, Ahaziah! So he's trying to save this king of Judah, saying, Get out of here. You know, you better flee, because I'm fleeing. So Joram uh, drew his bow, and so Joram is taking off in his chariot, and Jehu, Yehu, excuse me, drew his bow with full strength, and he shot Jehoram between his arms, and the arrow come out, came out at his heart. So he shot him from the back, right on the left side of him, and the arrow came right out this side. The whole thing, he just shot him straight through with an arrow. And, um, and the arrow came out at his heart, and he sank down in his chariot. And uh, then Yehu said to Bidkar, his captain, pick him up and throw him into the tract of the field of Naboth the Jezreelite. And what is he doing by doing that? Fulfilling prophecy. 
He's doing exactly, he's, he's at least, uh, now I'm not saying that Yehu was a, a great man or anything like that. I'm not you know, condoning anything, but I am saying that he's doing what God had told him to do. And, um, and so he lays this man's, Ye, um, Jehoram's body in the plot of land because that's the, 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 the house of Ahab. Because Jehoram belonged to the house of Ahab. He says, do you remember when you and I were riding behind Ahab, his father, that the Lord had this burden upon him? And then he shares the burden. Surely I saw yesterday the blood of Naboth and the blood of his sons. And says the Lord, and I will repay you in this plot, says the Lord. Now therefore take and throw him on the plot of ground according to the word of the Lord. And so we learn a new piece of information here that we didn't learn earlier in Kings. And that is that Jezebel not only had Naboth killed, but she killed his sons. It wasn't enough just to kill the man, because once you kill the man, who does the property go to? The sons. But if you kill the sons, then the property goes back to Ahab. Right? And so that's exactly what she did. And so they knew they were fulfilling this prophecy that God had spoken through Elijah. And again, I just want to reiterate that prophecy back in 1 Kings 21. The word came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab, king of Israel, who lives in Samaria. There he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone down to take possession of it. You shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord, Have you murdered and also take possession? And you shall speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs lick the blood of Naboth, dogs shall lick your blood, even yours. So that's exactly what happened. And that's exactly what happened. And and Yehu knew that he was fulfilling that prophecy. But the plot thickens because here's something that God didn't tell Yehu to do. Look at verse 27 in our text tonight. But when Ahaziah, so now they got Yehu, or now they got Jehoram, and now... Yehu is going to go after Ahaziah, the king of Judah. Did God tell him to go after the king of Judah? He didn't, did he? He said, go after Ahab and his sons, Jehoram. Go after him and his sons and Jezebel. He didn't say anything about the southern tribes, the southern two. He didn't mention anything about them. But when Ahaziah, king of Judah, saw this, he fled by the road to Beth Hagan. And so Yehu pursued him and said, Shoot him also in the chariot. And they shot him at the ascent of Gur, which is by Iblaim. And then he fled to Megiddo and died there. And um, if you go to Israel with us sometime, Megiddo is, a, is an incredible place. And it's right there. You, you can see Megiddo from the, uh, the mountain where they had this square off with the 450 prophets of Baal. It's all in that Jezreel Valley, known as the Valley of Armageddon. When you're up on that mountain where, Je- where um, um, uh, Elijah was, and he was facing off with the prophets of Baal, right down the hill there's a stream, the Kishon River. And then over to the other side you see the Megiddo over there. And then there, today there's an Israeli airfield out in the middle there. And the, the F-18s and whatever, they fly in and they land and then they disappear. <laughs> They go right underneath the, they have little conveyors that go them, that bring them down underneath, and then they file them away. Yes, in the Valley of Jezreel, or in the Armageddon Valley, it's a hornet's nest under there. When those guys start coming out, they're like hornets, and you don't want to get stuck in that hornet.
That's the end of our lesson for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Kings. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.